Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly. Uh, I'm Philippa B and I'm joined as ever by Jeremy Smith. Hi Jez. Hi. And Rich Allen. Hi Rich. Hello there. Right, so since we last spoke, a lot has happened, including the title being decided. And it's Monaco. And they did it, in fact, in the catch-up game, which they managed to fit in Game 31 between Game 37 and Game 38, because Monaco have been so busy there was nowhere else to put it. So there were wonderful scenes at the Stade Louis II, including the sight of uh, Prince Albert um, in his scarf, hugging various members of the team, selfies, etc. So... Of the after the last uh, four years of PSG domination, was this a one-off? Is this the start of a new dawn? How did it pan out, Jez? Um, what's your first reaction to to Monaco being the champions? Um, my first reaction is delight <laughs> um, for lots of reasons. Um, <coughs> one of the reasons is because it means PSG haven't won it, and that's not necessarily. Um, uh, you know, to denigrate them, but it's just it's always nice to have a bit of variety. And before PSG started their their dominance, I think it was something like seven different winners in seven straight seasons. Um, and you know, it's 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 just more interesting, more fun to have different winners and to have the sort of behemoth at the top being challenged. Um, then on top of that. The team itself, the team that won it, they didn't do it like PSG have tended to do the last few years by sort of sleepwalking their way through the season. They did it by playing fantastic football, kind of relentless football. We've discussed before how, you know, where other teams might shut up shop at sort of tune it up after an hour or something, they they just keep going for the kill. And they've done it with a mostly very young, exuberant team that, uh, almost without exception very difficult I think to dislike so and they've done it in style I mean I think I mentioned last time that if I was inclined to to kind of feel sorry for PSG they've got a fantastic record this year and especially in 2017 but Monaco I I think won their last 11 straight Ligue 1 matches that's just you know fantastic no one can compete with that so extremely worthy winners yeah i think um all of our teams that we support have been on the end of one of those they don't shut up shop or, or stop at two nil uh, and that was even shown in in game 37 which was kind of psg's last chance to um to to keep in touch they put five past saint-etienne who frankly i think have had a terrible week um uh but uh, monaco put put four past lille and you know that counts as a reasonably conservative score for them. 107 goals scored over the league season, a goal difference of 76. I mean, it's just, um, it's ridiculous, really. But it was very fun to watch, wasn't it, Rich? Oh, it was. It was. Um, I think. Um, I mean, they sort of recovered a little bit in the last last few games, but there was a spell. Um, I think in sort of late March through through April where. It was, you know, they were starting to look very, very tired. Um, you know, it wasn't the biggest squad that Jardim had. Um, he had to manage it very, very well with the sheer sheer number of games that they had to play. You know, season started way back in, I think it was mid-July last year with the uh, 
the Champions League qualifiers. So it's been a very long season with not a huge squad, with not a a, a hugely experienced squad as well. As we've said numerous times, a lot of very young players. Um, so, you know, Jardine, all the staff, all the players, everyone behind the scenes can only be applauded and fingers crossed the uh, the vast majority of this side can stay together and, and, and hopefully mount another challenge next season. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was particularly lovely that obviously... There was game 38, but the the one where they won it was, was that catch-up game, which was at home. It was against Saint-Étienne, who, as I say, have had a tricky week, um, playing a part in a lot of other people's battles, shall we say. But it was great, obviously. Mbappe got the first goal, and he's been the wonder kid that everybody's talking about. But what I really liked was that the second goal was Lamar streaking up the left. The guy who, if Mbappe wasn't around, would be the guy we were Mbappeing about, if you see what I mean. And it was put in by Valerjeman, the man who was promoted from Ligue 2 with Monaco um, a couple of seasons back. So that really was, I just thought it was a nice kind of a combination of people involved in getting that 2-0 win over Saint-Étienne to, to sew up the title. And then they went on to um, beat your guys away in the last game. And meanwhile, PSG were drawing 1-1 against Con, which had a big impact on the battle at the other end of the table with the relegation places being sorted out. So going down are Bastia, Nancy, after a brave final attempt against, guess who, Saint-Étienne, to, to, to stay up. They won 3-1. They were edging towards possibly getting that playoff place, but um, Lorient managed to get a point at Bordeaux. They get the playoffs, and Con got themselves out of bother by, I think this was the match where, of all of the, the bottom five where you're thinking they're not getting any points there. They got a point away at PSG. In terms of the relegation battle, um, you know, do we think, in a sense, it's the right result? Uh, the ones that are going down. We did talk about Kong being in, you know, uh, not being in a good, not being in good form and, and being in danger. They managed to rescue themselves, as did uh, Dijon. Um, how do we see the, the relegation uh, situation and does that make sense to you, Rich? Um, I think by and large over the season, yes. Um, Kong can count themselves very, very fortunate. Um to have escaped that, I, I, you know, I did think at in sort of early April time, I thought this is a this is a team that looked destined to go down. There was no, you know, they were they were playing poorly. They got no luck whatsoever, losing game after game after game, and just looked visibly like they'd given up. Um, so to have to have snatched that that latest uh, at that last minute of all last minute equalizers in Paris. Very, very fortunate. There's going to have to be a lot of work done over the summer there. Um, Nancy gave it as, as you know, a, a good shot, but I think for them, they, they may rue dropping points against some of the lesser teams earlier in the season. Um, you know, if they'd have shown the same sort of spirit that, that they showed in that final game against Saint-Étienne, then maybe it would have been enough to have kept them up. Bastia, the, the, the team that a lot of people, I think, will be um, quite happy to see go go down. Um, Jazz, I think it was you actually. I saw was mentioning, uh, and I sort of get on board with this that back when they were you know the sort of plucky Islanders who were 
sort of rebelling against the system kind of thing. There was there was something quite um, almost enchanting about them, but uh, I think once it spilled over into the sort of dark, menacing side of things, it, it, yeah, I, th I, I don't think they will be missed by and large. Uh, and then Lorient, you know, Doom, I thought they were absolutely dead and buried, but Cassoni yeah. just about got enough from his squad. Um, if it wasn't for that late Khan equaliser, they would have been 100% safe, but um, now two games coming up that they can't afford to, to sort of dwell on. Yeah, I think also, I mean, we say uh, Lorient did look dead and buried and managed to pull themselves together. In game 37, there were two games where... Um, relegation threatened teams faced off one was Dijon beat Nancy 2-0 uh, which put them very much in the driving seat um, in getting safety on the last day but Bastia beat Lorient 2-0 in a really weird game because Bastia's home games are of course not at home and on the mainland and behind closed doors at the moment and I did wonder if that might have kind of killed Lorient's spirit they looked a bit broken after after that one but they managed to get the point at, at Bordeaux um, and and get themselves into the playoff interestingly the top the bottom two teams the two that go down automatically are the lowest scorers both with 29 goals which kind of Tells you something about something, I suppose. Yeah, point, I point, that, point, um... point for who gets the team that uh, were, were just after them then in lowest scores. <laughs> Seeing as you're saying that, I'm guessing it might have been Ren. <laughs> it certainly yeah. was. <laughs> Joint with Carl R36. So there you go. So yeah, Jez. Yeah, I, I, think, I think we think... had we had this conversation about Bastia a bit, but you know, given the way they've actually played this season, apart from anything else. Yeah, I think seems... um, they they deserve to go down and yeah as Rich said spilling over into sort of you know pitch invasions from the crowd and even from the the people that are supposed to be you know the stewards actually joining in with with attacking opposing players that's absolutely unacceptable obviously racism as well from the stands um, that won't be missed at all but yeah there is something about the the um the on the pitch, even the 14 red cards, you know, as a neutral, as long as they're sort of not breaking any of your team's players' legs, there's something quite funny and entertaining about it. And you know, Is, for does, the most does that part, beat, does that beat the Montpellier record from a, that unfortunate season a couple of seasons back? I'm not sure if they hit 14. Yeah, I, I've got a feeling maybe it does beat it. I don't know. Uh, I thought I saw somewhere that they needed they needed one in that final game. I think. Oh, really? Yeah. And I thought, go on, go, go on. If, if anything, if Kazak was made for anything, it's breaking records <laughs> as well as less. So, actually, in the, the post-match interview, he was one of the interviewees, obviously, as they go around the grounds, and he was talking about, obviously, needing a reorganisation, and you just got the feeling he wasn't just talking about the team and the pitch. He was talking about more than that and uh, yes we'll we'll see how they get on in Ligue 2 next season where there are two other Corsican teams um, AC Ajaccio and Gazlec Ajaccio and let's hope all of those go off yeah well as for so, the others I think Nancy I'm obviously a little bit biased but I think they probably deserve to go down for the most part They've been t I thought the the sort of order and the potential relegies if that's the word changed um, a good sort of 10, 20 times during the course of, of Saturday evening. But it was kind of telling at one point that um, Nancy were were going down, even though they had the same goal difference as Bastia, purely because they'd scored fewer goals. And that's clearly been their problem all season, just um, 
uh, yeah. a lack of goals. And um, I think, you know, possibly um, another time we'll, we'll talk about sort of tops and flops of the season. But I think Nossi have had two or three of the not as big names as certain other players at other teams, but they've had two or three big flops. And considering that they look so good going up last year, I think as in general they've been very disappointing. And then oh, so bet between Lorient, oh, I just yeah, it's Lorient have had the better recent form. Caen have had, been awful recently, so I think they got a bit lucky. I think I also read Lorient have been in the relegation zone for by quite a long way. I think more than any other team during the course of the yes. season. So in that sense, I suppose they haven't got too much to argue about. Caen, you just think you know without I think Santini got 15 goals without his goals. God knows where they'd be, um, and I saw a little bits of it because I was sort of on the multiplex. But against PSG, you have to think PSG weren't exactly going a full tilt. But um, just on the basis of that match, you know, Con missed a penalty, had a perfectly good goal disallowed, which Ferre was very involved in, which which will be pleased about. So actually, they'd have been entitled to feel a huge sense of injustice if they had lost that match. So possibly overall, everyone's more or less in the positions that they should be. Um, yeah. And Lorient have given themselves another chance, which I think they deserve that other chance on the basis of recent form. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of happy to see Dijon um, stay up. I mean, they've actually scored quite a lot of goals, but it was a, uh, shall we say, defensively solid uh, nil-nil draw away at Toulouse because they knew that a point was going to be enough. Um, they but, got a bit lucky because Toulouse also missed a penalty, but yeah. it was <laughs> ironic that they, yeah, they assured their safety with the most un-Dijon-like of scores. Exactly. I think we've agreed through, kind of throughout the season they've not been bad. They've just been unlucky quite a bit. So it was nice that you know some luck came into play at the end. Yeah. So the um, the playoff uh, sees Lorient. <coughs> Uh, matched up with Trois. Uh, first legs on Thursday, second legs on Sunday to see who comes, who gets out of that one. Um, because otherwise, Nancy and Bastia will be in Ligue 2 where there was um, an even more chaotic final day on Friday night um, with an absolutely um, kind of cracking set of results. There were six teams that could have got promoted all six won, including some absolutely um, huge wins. Brest beat Gazalek 6-2. Um, Lance beat Niort 3-1. Nîmes won away at Laval, who were bottom, so whatever. And Strasbourg won 2-1 against Bourg-en-Bresse. But the two that had the real drama were Troyes, who have ended up in third place in the playoff place, who came from 2-0 down, I think, against Socho, um to, to win 3-2. And Amiens, who were playing Ras, who scored, you've probably seen it on Twitter, who, who scored a 96th-minute winner to take them from sixth place to second and automatic promotion. Um, anybody watching this with popcorn? Jeremy, have, have you... Um, Got any views on, on what panned out in Ligue 2's final um, final day? Um, it's tough because they're all likable teams except in my eyes one, but most people disagree. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and 
you know, with that amount of pressure on them all, for them all to win is is pretty spectacular. And you know, the teams that start the day in fifth, sixth place, they must think if we get a win, we've got a good chance of at least making the playoffs. So, you know, it's pretty cool in that sense. But it, you know, on the other side, it's just an amazing story for Amya. You know, little teams never been up there before, and to to do it in that way, just you know. As you said, it's been all over social media because, it, because, again, as a neutral, it is just a fantastic story, fantastic yep. drama, and you know that's what football's about, I guess. Um, and if you if you got one of the uh, versions of it with sound, uh, Amiens um, kind of won five on the spin to get there. But if you have it with sound, you will notice that the referee blows a full time while they are still in a celebratory pile up on the kind of on the sideline as if to say yep you were stopping now we're stopping we're stopping now nothing's stopping this so it was um kind of a wonderful moment there rich have uh, you got any views on who's coming up um and what might happen in the playoff uh in terms of the playoff i always think when when you see these kind of things um i mean you almost have to favor um the the league does side you know they're the ones coming in with the momentum you know how they would have taken, um, you know, missing out on on the automatic spot thanks to that last that last minute Amiens goal. They just have to bury you know, forget that now. Focus on the fact they're coming up against the Lorient team, who you know are themselves probably you know ruining the fact that they have only, they've only just missed out on guaranteed safety. For me, yeah, in these I would always I would always look to favour the team with the momentum. Um, you know, Toir have that momentum. They they know They're they know yeah they know how to win ultimately so and you know let's be fair they not that long ago that they were a league and team so um, and they've I, got Benjamin Nive yes they have they have yeah all seventy two years of him more over all years now <laughs> so um, then you know then they're not going to be free scoring games but I, I, yeah I, I wouldn't surprise me I think to see a, a a narrow twelve win over the two legs. Yeah, so as I said they're unbeaten in six in the league. Um, so as Rich says, that gives them kind of a happy feeling rather than the sense of impending dread that may have been uh, kicking around Lorient recently. We do have other uh, playoffs happening at the moment because in the relegation battle from League Deux, Laval have been gone for ages, Red Star have gone down, and Orléans are in the playoff spot. They're currently playing against... Paris FC, so the two smaller Paris teams might be uh, switching uh, switching leagues this season. That's currently nil nil. Um, shortly into the first leg of that playoff, just just to uh, mention that one as well. The, um, we're talking about how close League League Do was. The um, Par- Paris qualified for the playoff um, on goal difference. Two other teams, the three altogether, finished level on points. That's a pretty cool way to miss out as well. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll wait to see how those pan out. So that's happening now. And the second leg is also on Sunday. Um, that's an early kickoff aperitif before the second leg of Lorient Trois. Okay, so those are the playoffs that are going to be happening. We've got one more big match coming up, which is on Saturday, which is the final of the Coupe de France, which is Angers versus PSG. Now, PSG obviously have already got the Coupe de la Ligue, and you get the impression that it's minimum two 
pieces of silverware or somebody's going to be throwing things out of his pram possibly so how do we see the uh, Coupe de France final panning out um, Angers of course finished checks 12th in Ligue 1 um, scoring 40 conceding 49 Paris finished second scoring 83 and conceding 27 um, little bit of a possible uh, omen coming up there Jez how do you see this first being approached by both teams uh, and how do you see it panning out um, I don't think anyone's going to change their approach much I think Angers will try to be very tough um, to, to break down at the back and then um, sort of use speed down the flanks play it and, um, to, to sort of hit on the break and then try to use the probably rely most of all on, on set pieces <laughs> shake and doy but you know they have looked a little bit better in the very very last couple of weeks of the season. Um, Bamba looks a bright player. Tokyo Kambi has scored relatively consistently of late. So I don't think it's going to be very straightforward. But it's very hard to see past PSG. I mean, as you said, this this was supposed to be one of the sort of um, minor extras for this season and it turns into it's turned into the most important um trophy they've got left to win and yeah if the, if they don't win this i th if they win it i'm sure emery will stay um for next season if they lose this one i'm not entirely sure he will so i think there are very big stakes and but i i think psg should should win it comfortably do you agree, Rich? Sadly, yes. Um, I would love to say otherwise. Um, you know, it's been a, another pretty solid season for Angers. I think I think they and, and Stefan Moulin, I don't think, perhaps get enough praise that they should. You know, it's, it's, it's not the world's most talented squad. It's not the world's most entertaining football, but it's effective. You know, it's, this is now the second mid-table finish on the bounce. They've got a... Uh, Cup final, not a lot can be asked more from, from Mulan and his players, but I think we all know how this is going to probably spin out. It's going to be a, a pretty ropey half. There's going to be a, a Di Maria 35th minute opening goal, and then there'll be a couple of Cavani goals around the 60, 60 minute mark, and then Matuidi will get a fourth in the 89th minute. <laughs> don't bother, don't bother, don't bother watching. That's that's a ex extremely detailed. Question. I was I was just going to say, didn't didn't they draw nil nil away at the Parc des Princes Cup, um, kind of uh, in their promotion season, which was kind of one of the only points uh, that PSD dropped. Well, they they, I think. they played they played pretty well in the the league game at Angers. Angers, I think lost that. I think it was two nil. I think. May have been, may have been a little bit more, but they played. Really, Andre played really, really well, and it was only they were denied a pretty clear, you know, pretty clear goal uh, that was disallowed for unknown reasons. Uh, and PSG opened the scoring from a free kick that never was a free kick. So if the referee can be a little bit more, you know, fairer, um, well, I say who knows, but as I say, we we do all know. All right, so we've had, um, in terms of League and Cup, another couple of uh, things just on the um, 
the women's front. Can you guess who won Division L? Um, answers on a postcard. Uh, yes, it was Lille. <laughs> and uh, just the 100 goals scored this this season. But uh, always nice to have a round number. And Montpellier came second, which is cheerful, because that's the second um, Champions League spot. Um, and in the kind of ongoing battle between OL and PSG, OL beat uh, PSG on penalties in the Women's Coupe de France, and they will next meet in the Women's Champions League semi-final. So there's a Fi- big riv- rivalry starting up uh, in that what? Final. Yes, Women's Champions League final. Sorry, you said semi. <laughs> Sorry? Did yes. I? Yeah. Oh, my mistake. Um, yeah, so they will be playing in the Women's Champions League final um, <laughs> in their, I don't know, fourth, fifth um, game against each other of the season. That's coming up soon. So we're going to see, I'm quite pleased, Montpellier in the uh, Champions League next season, which will be great fun and hopefully um, uh, involve um, growing some good teams. So elsewhere, um, in more national news, we've had a couple of squad announcements recently and the under-20s are currently playing in the World Cup. Um which I think they won their first game, was it 3-0 against Honduras? Yeah. Um, but is there uh, anything on the France squad announcement uh, that we want to, to go through for the games coming up next? I think the, probably the, the, from memory, it was last week now, the big talking points were, first of all, that Lacazette is in, which is, I don't think anyone can argue that that's, that's deserved. Um, he was in the squad at the start of the season and had to put out through injury, but really surely deserved to have been in. Um, the last squad, um, whenever that was, March, I think. Um, so uh, about time he was back in, and hopefully this time he'll he'll sort of grab his chance. Um, I think there's there's two friendlies and there's two friendlies which sandwich a World Cup qualifier. I'm guessing he won't be playing in the qualifier, but certainly he should get a good chance in the friendlies. And one of them's against England, so if the rumoured Atletico transfer isn't signed and sealed by then, it will be a really good chance for him to maybe put himself in the in the shop window in England. Um, and then the other talking point, which hopefully we're not going to talk about for some reason, it's always a talking point, is Benzema, but I think we will pretty much agree on... <laughs> The fact that Deshaun is absolutely right in that case. Rich? Uh, yeah, I think as a squad as a whole, I, I I don't have too many complaints. I think there's there's perhaps two players that their their position in the squad could be questioned in in Matuidi and Sissoko, but you know by and large it's good to see that some of the youngsters have retained their place in the squad, like Taliso, like Rabiot, like Lamar. Um, and Bappe's still in there, so yeah. By and large, I'm I'm relatively happy with this squad, and uh, wouldn't it be nice for uh, for Costiel to? Well, I mean, he won't he is he won't be a rem player by the time the Paraguay game comes around. But with it being uh, with it being played at Ren, it would be quite nice to see him uh, get a get another start. Yeah, I think um, I saw a tweet about some rumor about a, a big money move for Sissoko by. Um, by a, 
uh, a Spurs fan, which basically said nobody move, nobody say anything, because um, <laughs> uh, possibly um, they think that would be worth cashing in. I think it was to Marseille, um, yeah, who of course Marseille ended up in fifth, and so have uh, bagged themselves a third qualifying round spot for the Europa League, which I'm sure they're delighted with. Uh, Bordeaux ending up in sixth, so if PSG do take the Coupe de France, um, ditto, so there's basically no difference, with Lyon uh, then would go in at the group stage. So um, that's uh, something to look at. As I say, with the the under-20s, I can't get the page to load, but I'm pretty sure uh, they won 3-0 against Honduras. Meanwhile, we've also had the uh, announcement of the squad for the Toulon tournament, which is now not mentioning the word Toulon, which I think is probably something to do with their organisation. But because uh, a couple of years ago there was a clash with the under-20 World Cup and they did two under-20 teams, one for each tournament, they didn't try sharing things around. This time uh, the Toulon squad is basically an under-19 squad, so we don't have very many first-team senior players. Um, But there's a lot of really good prospects to watch. It could mean they're even more disadvantaged than they were last year, where their average age was 20 versus... England's 21 and a half in the final, which just kind of told a little bit at the end, given that the Toulon tournament rules do kind of allow you to play an under-23 team. The fact that France is playing an under-19 team could again put them at a disadvantage, but there are some really great players in there. Um, Irving Cardona from Monaco is is definitely one to watch in the future. Arnaud Nordin from uh, Saint-Étienne. There's a Weird kind of. Um, I'm looking at the list and I've checked them all, and we only there only appears to be one centre back on on the list, so that should be interesting. But um, I'll be going out there to the final day of that, which is always cracking fun. Um, and sometimes I end up quite literally bumping into members of the various squads, um, as I say, given the organisation. So we've got um, lots of different. Uh, sort of national news that will also of course be the women's euros happening over the summer which should be great fun as well so on any other business as it were is there anything uh, we want to add we're going to be doing another show which kind of is more of a season roundup team of the year tops and flops as jess said earlier but is there any um kind of any other business anybody wants to raise at this point um i think on the the national team front just to add on the under twenty ones have finally got a new coach and, and therefore finally have got some games. So it seemed like a a long time since they uh, they played their last game, which I think was back in November. But uh Sylvain Ripoll um has has taken over there. Um my personal belief is a little bit underwhelming. I think there was some um some of the slightly better placed uh coaches and I think perhaps the timing of the under twenty World Cup and the timing of this announcement, because I think um, there's perhaps... I th- well, I was hoping that the, the players that have then you know, moved up the system, the coach would come with them. I always thought that's that's a sensible way with the youth teams, but that's not been the case. But you know, their squad's been announced. As ever with the under-21s, you look at the squad and you think, crikey, there's a, there's a lot of really, really good players there. But as we've come to expect with the under-21s, it always seem to flatter to the sea when it counts. Um... But yeah, no, they've uh, squad's been announced. Got a couple of friendlies coming up um, in early June. So um, I mean, they've been decimated really by so many young, excellent performing young players being called up to the senior side. But 
there's there's certainly a lot of talent there to to keep an eye on. Jez, anything from you? Um, no, I agree with that. You look at you look at the under twenty one squad, and you know there's players that should be playing sort of one or two levels below. You know, ob obvious ones to think of is Mbappe is in the. F you know, first team squad and should be in the under twenties or even under nineteens. You have got um you know, Teo Hernandez who's in the under twenty one squad who also could be in a career right now in the in the under twenty World Cup. Um you know, in a way it, it kind of it would be nice for for France to um win more of these um sort of lower age group trophies and you you think if everyone stayed strictly in their age groups um they they probably would do but you know well i think overall, the, it's... The, the under 20s i think i saw something that they could have a front three of of um Agustin, who's obviously out there then usman dembele and mbappe either side of him so yeah it's impressive <laughs> <laughs> um but, or terrifying, depend on your point of view. Yeah, um, you know, the, I think there's strong rumours that Teo Hernandez might be moving to to Real Madrid, possibly now as well. So, um, you know, it bodes well for a lot of them, as Rich said, and it's boded, if that's the word, well for, for a few years now. And and the under twenty ones don't usually work out, and that's possibly the only reason I can think of that they decided to try something new and bring a coach in from the outside because otherwise mm -hmm. I agree with Rich I think it makes a lot more sense to to bring the coach up with the players and for the most part I think it's it's generally um, worked to a point but I suppose it's fair enough to, to try something else but then at the same time you look at players like Griezmann I'm happy for players to make the mistake, their mistakes in the under 21s if it means they're a little bit more mature and experienced when they get to the to the full squad. Quite. I mean, one of the reasons, as you said, Rich, the under 21s don't play much is because they keep screwing up the playoff uh, and therefore ruling themselves out of uh, of actual tournaments. So, with that, we've. Um, said so we've had the title sign up relegation is uh, still uh, slightly in the in the balance with the playoffs coming up and we've got the coupe de france happening on saturday so we'll hopefully be up very soon uh back very soon to round up what's happened there and have a slightly more um balanced uh, look at the season um in total and what happened and maybe have a think about what this means for what might happen next year so Thank you very much for listening. We'll speak to you again soon. I'm Philippa B. And it's goodbye from me and from Jez and from Rich. Bye. Good night. And we'll speak to you again soon. Good night. <laughs>